It's time for the Midday Memo at the Red River College, the weekly deep dive into all important and local news, reviews, and entertainment. Hello, hello, welcome to the Midday Memo, Red River College's news radio programming. We have some great stuff lined up for you this hour. We have a live location report from Hannah Ocher at Festival, an interview with Marisol Nagash, a R&B singer. She is local, she is great. Um, we have Jonathan ranting about Valentine's Day, and we have our feature reporter, Kelsey, reporting on the Let's Talk Treaty that just happened earlier on Wednesday. We also have a tape and, <laughs> we also have a tape and talk from a member of Trudeau's cabinet quitting from Christina, and Sydney will be talking about the Oscars this year and uh, everything going on there. But first, let's go to Cheyenne for the news. You're listening to News on the Midday Memo. Good afternoon. I'm Cheyenne Briere for the Midday Memo, and here are your news stories for today. Manitoba's Rural Prairie Rose School Division is investigating after a gym teacher posted a photo on Facebook showing he and Conservative MP Candace Bergen holding signs reading, Trudeau is just the worst. The photo was taken after an event Bergen attended at a school in Miami, about 115 kilometers southwest of Winnipeg. Brent Unruh says in hindsight he should not have posted the photo, which he removed three hours later. An area resident says teachers should be nonpartisan and that Bergen should be setting an example for children and not engaging in childish name calling in a school. A Winnipeg police officer who said he was tired, not drunk, when he was found reclining in the driver's seat on the side of the Trans Canada Highway has been acquitted of impaired driving. Constable Leslie McRae refused a breathalyzer when he was arrested in November 2017. The judge in the case has ruled that evidence of impairment was lacking. The Crown had argued that McRae wouldn't have refused a breathalyzer if he'd simply been too tired to drive. Manitoba has chosen a new private company, which has a board chaired by former Tory Premier, to provide some government air services. The government says the move will save taxpayers $6.5 million over five years. Winnipeg-based aviation company Exchange Income was chosen to fly justice officials and people accused of crimes to courts in rural Manitoba. Former Premier Gary Philman is chairman of its board of directors, which includes at least six past PC party donors. The federal government is giving BlackBerry $40 million to augment the $300 million the company is spending to develop technologies for self-driving cars. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made the announcement this morning at the company's campus in suburban Ottawa. The old saying was how much you bench, now it's how many push-ups. The study performed by researchers at the Harvard School of Public Health found that middle-aged men who could do more than 40 push-ups had a 96% reduced risk of heart disease events compared to those that completed less than 10 push-ups. Male firefighters were used in the study, which took people's push-up measurements and then followed them for 10 years to see if any complications from heart disease occurred. While doctors rely on blood tests along with stress tests to determine risk of heart disease, researchers think push-up capacity may be a simpler, no-cost measurement. Todd Ant, ABC News. BlackBerry says it's 
QNX software is already in tens of millions of cars, guiding systems related to driver assistance, hands-free features, and entertainment consoles. U.S. President Donald Trump is declaring a national emergency to fulfill his pledge to construct a wall along the Mexican border. The move is already drawing bipartisan criticism on Capitol Hill and expected to face rounds of legal challenges. Trump says his opponents are wrong about the effectiveness of border walls in stopping illegal migration and drug smuggling. Democrats, they say it all comes through the port of entry. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's just a lie. It's all a lie. They say walls don't work. Walls work 100%. The money is expected to come from funds targeted for military construction and counter-drug efforts. IDES could not immediately specify which military. Your forecast for the Midday Memo. Now for current weather, tonight will drop down to minus 25. Saturday will be a mix of sun and clouds with minus 15 during the day and dropping down to minus 21 in the evening. Sunday will be similar with minus 15 during the day and again dropping down to minus 23 in the evening. Your current weather is a few clouds and temperature is minus 22. For the Midday Memo, I'm Cheyenne Briere. Thank you, Cheyenne, for the uh, newscast and the weather report. Once again, that was Midday Memo. Right now, we'll be on. We are calling in to listen to Hannah. Right now, she is at Festival de Voyageur. Hi, Aiden. So I am outside of the entrance at Festival de Voyageur. They are celebrating 50 years this year, which is a pretty big deal. It's a cold day today, but that hasn't deterred several volunteers from helping set up. I see about 10 or 12 just at the door. There's trucks coming in and out. Snowplow crews are out to make sure all the streets are clear, so everything's getting ready. Um, it's a pretty big, um, a pretty big year this year. So uh, volunteers are telling me to expect crowds if you're planning on going out. They said there should be lines in all the tents, so make sure to bundle up if you're planning on coming out. The ceremony kicks off at 7:30 tonight, um, and they are kicking things off with a May ceremony, which is a Voyager tradition to honor those who can't be there and to remember friends and loved ones along the way. Um, there'll be some pretty big musical artists on tonight as well, including M.N. Dien, Three Pete, Takagi, and Dominique Dupuy, who is an internationally acclaimed francophone violinist, and he's from New Brunswick. Um, there's also a Dîner de Bourgeoise that's happening this evening at 6 o'clock as well, and you can enjoy some pea soup. Um, and there will be fireworks, of course, and uh, tickets range from 5 to $25, depending on your age, and those are available at the door or online. That sounds lovely. Um, what would I say? <laughs> what is the thing that you're most looking forward to at Festival this year? I mean, I just love the spirit at Festival. It's so much fun. I love going out in the evenings and spending time with my friends, um, and I love listening to all the live music. Everyone's in such a good mood, and of course, Maple taffy is the best here. That is maple syrup on a stick uh, in snow. And that's a pretty Festival de Voyager tradition. So that's always fun to come and enjoy that and, and to enjoy the, the live music. Mm, that's great. Hannah, have you tried the caribou yet? Um, I, I, I know it's have a bitter. not. I have not, but I can't say that I won't. Uh, but I'm very excited. Um, yeah, it's always so much fun out here. It's a week-long festival, so there's a lot of days you can come and check it out. And I really do recommend uh, it's such a Manitoba festival. Um, and it's going to be a big one this year, 50 years. 
And what would you recommend, like, say, first comers, this may be their first time going to festival, what would you recommend the first thing that they do is? I would say first thing you do is put on all the layers you have, embrace the cold, uh, come out during the day, and there's usually a lot of traditional things going on. There's always fires around. There's always live music. Um, also, you need to check out the jig. The Red River jig is usually going on all over the, the festival grounds. Um, but yeah, you just need to kind of come with an open mind and enjoy everything that it has to offer and stay all day and enjoy some of the music in the evenings and, and all the festivals they have. And of course, if you're coming out tonight, you can't miss those fireworks. Awesome. Be sure to come out to Festival tonight. Thank you once again, Hannah, for your uh, update at Festival. Right now, we're going to go to a commercial break, and then we will be back with Marisol Nagash. We'll be right back to the Midday Memo on RRC Anthem. Keep rolling with us all the way to the weekend. Oh, this week! That bad, huh? I just... I can't. I'm giving up. Giving up on what? Adulting. If you need me, I'll be on the couch. All you need is a break. You should go to Ivy Spa Salon Boutique. They'll take care of you. Visit Ivy Spa Salon Boutique for your next break. Imagine having to put your child to bed crying and hungry because you're unable to feed them. Each month, Winnipeg Harvest shares food with nearly 64,000 Manitobans. More than 41% are children. Why wait till the holiday season to show kindness? Because hunger doesn't take a holiday. Your donation goes a long way and can change someone's life. Donate to Winnipeg Harvest, fighting hunger and feeding hope. Be a hero today on Giving Tuesday. Each year, animals like Rip Riley, who lost their vision, is brought into Winnipeg Humane Society in need of care. Save the day by donating and help us rescue, treat and protect all animals that enter our doors. Be today's hero for their happy and healthy tomorrow. Please donate at winnipeghumanesociety.ca or text RESCUE to 41010 and share your heroism on social media using the hashtag WHSHeroes. Be a hero for the Winnipeg Humane Society. Giving Tuesday takes place on November 27th. This is an opportunity for you to be a hero for animals like these. When you donate to the Winnipeg Humane Society, you will be a hero in so many ways. Your donation will help support emergency and vet services, provide care after surgery or treatment, buy food and medical supplies, and so much more. On this Giving Tuesday, be a hero for animals. Visit WinnipegHumaneSociety.ca to donate money or call 982-2041. Welcome back to the Midday Memo, where we give you the news that actually matters to you. Hello again. This is the Midday Memo. Today we are graced to have Marisol Nagash in the studio. We're going to do a interview with her to talk about uh, what she's been up to, her influences, her background, all of that. Marisol, thank you so much. All right, so just tell me a little bit about yourself. What, are you, what sort of uh, projects are you in right now? Right now, um, I'm mainly involved in uh, creating my own music and beginning to get it out there in terms of streaming platforms. I've been working in uh, Winnipeg as a uh, self-employed musician for the better part of two years. Um, I'm involved in another ensemble called Super Duty Tough Work, and we are a jazz hip-hop group. There's um, eight members, so we have an MC, um, different uh, horn section, and then um, I play keyboard and sing in that project. and um, 
I also work um, and conduct a weekly workshop at Studio 393. So I have the opportunity to mentor and kind of work with youth who are interested in beginning to start music, um, learn the theory side, and also um, think about putting their own music out there in Winnipeg and how to start doing that. So um, my own project, hip hop ensemble and teaching as well. Mm-hmm. And when you say uh, your volunteer work, what does that kind of look like with the these with these kids? Um, for this, for Studio Theater Three, it's um, it's not a volunteer position; it's an instructor position. But uh, when they come through, it's uh, on a drop-in basis. So the challenge there is that uh, your attendance um, changes every week. But my role is to kind of. Um, provide resources on the theoretical side of music so if people are interested in learning how to start reading or performing uh, music that they've written how to get that in a tangible music form either on the laptop or to start um, introducing them to to play the piano or the guitar Um, beat making and just basic production and putting elements together that's something that um, I get to show them how to do and then also working with the other instructors there because we have the um, art workshops as well as um, other great staff where we're there kind of just building ideas and showing them kind of um, what we do really so it's pretty free-formed but um, I'm having a great time working there mm-hmm. and uh, do you also maybe teach uh, these kids how to use social media for sort of their music stuff as like social media has become reigning supreme when it comes to the music industry you have to be out there all the time you have to be posting all the time there has to be videos and music everywhere like is that something that you share with them or is that something you know a lot about about yourself that's a really great question and funnily enough I find that these youth show me about social media because my focus has always kind of been on the creation and performance aspect and despite being active on social media I'm really segueing into putting myself out there as um, someone who's regularly posting on a business front and so at Studio 393 there's also another workshop which I don't conduct but it is ASL after school leaders where they do podcast practice Um, they have a radio station at U of M as well so these youth are kind of like miles ahead of me (laughs) in that (laughs) sense yeah but um, I kind of just focus on the like solely music and um, show organization side, I would say. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. And when you talk about your performances, I I have been lucky enough to watch you perform on numerous occasions, and you have a sort of uh, a casual experience, a casual environment to yourself, yet also very inviting. Um, How how long did it take you to sort of get to that point? Was that something that just came naturally to you, or...? I'm happy that that's how you feel when you've been there. I remember the first time um, we probably worked together, came across each other. It was for uh, Joy's project with Stream Winnipeg at Fools and Horses. And that was um, just when I was really even beginning. But prior to that, that was kind of me when I create events. It's very much inspired by the events that I am invited to. And um, when I first began gigging, it was a matter of having to create venues for myself because Winnipeg doesn't necessarily have an infrastructure ready to employ live music regularly. So it was kind of banking on the ingenuity of, oh, what can be a venue? Is this an empty warehouse? Can we get in here? Um, learning how to mm-hmm. um, get a PA system and how to mix your own live sound. And it was very DIY. And that is, I think, what created that um, casual experience because when we were doing our own gigs and creating our own venues it was just our friends and people we knew that were coming so it was so comfortable um, and we tried to just keep it um, fun for us versus necessarily like um, income generating or uh, ubiquitous on social media that wasn't like 
the mode in like 2013, 2014 when we were first getting into it in terms of like my friends who I'm playing with now. So um, in recent times when I've been uh, performing and creating events, um, you said that like is very welcoming. I think intentionally that's something that we keep in mind is that we want it to be like all ages and not just a certain group, friend group or demographic. And um, recently we did a gig called Yum Yum. Um, and Yum Yum was a multidisciplinary showcase of live music, um, visual art, as well as um, me and a uh, another woman who has a lot of experience with cooking kind of taking on how to serve food so on that evening we on December 28th we just hit up a friend who has a cafe in downtown and I love cooking all my homies know that and I said I'm just going to make some amazing food and that's going to come with it and it was a total hit so just trying new things and not feeling afraid um, of the backlash by having a big support group of friends being behind you I right think. right and how long have you been doing this yum yum series and what sort of food do you sort of make for that sort of event like well yum yum was only supposed to be a one-time thing um but it was so successful that i'm really thinking of starting up again um but i right, right before yum yum i started a series called come kick it at fourth cafe and so this was kind of a spillover into okay let's build on come kick it which was just just music just rappers and singers and let's bring a food element because I find that food um, more so than beverages and libations is really like a communal thing Um, and also respecting the fact that there are a lot of people who have come to events who um, do not tolerate having alcohol around like they can't even come if they do serve if it's not dry and so trying to be inclusive in that regard and trying to um, make people comfortable with food so how it formulated was that um, I had been working on a special sandwich recipe for a long while. I'm very embarrassed to say this now because it's a little lame, but um, it was like years. And um, people are saying, I would pay for this. That's all they would tell me. I would pay $10. And I'm like, word? Okay, so December 28th, $10, a ticket, and pay for it. And that's just what it is. I just took them up on it. And so that's kind of how that came together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm planning another one uh, in April. So April. keep an eye out for that. All right, all right. Can you tell me a little bit about your uh, your style sonically? I am trained classically in voice and piano. And by the age of 18, I started wanting to put my own ideas and own music there. Because with classical music, you are interpreting what's on the paper and not adding your own ideas or your own articulation dynamics. It's really about recreating what the composer had in mind. So that was like the foundation of how to interpret music. But um, once I said, okay, I want to put my own ideas out there, and I really love jazz, I really love the harmonies, but I don't have the technique or facility. So I, um, I initially went on Google and I wanted to live in Vancouver because it was really warm and I looked up jazz, best jazz pianist teachers and I emailed someone named Bob Murphy because I saw that he had a cool, cool kind of like repertoire and CV and he said he would teach me and I lived in Vancouver for uh, two years. I worked with him for the better parts of one year and then I started booking shows there and it was really liberating because... Um, it wasn't my hometown, so I could be anonymous. And then um, influentially, like if you're talking about the sound, I think it's developed into something really reminiscent of neo-soul, so jazz harmonies with classical technique, um, but always backed with you know, a classic hip-hop beat with a drummer. Um, I've collaborated with different beat makers who bring a drum sequencer at gigs, so you get the sampling and that record style. Um, at a live show. And then um, playing with Super Duty, Tough Work, 
is kind of the the experience where it sounds like 90s hip-hop, but we're putting a spin on it with um, the MC's new and original raps and also our own kind of ideas with the arrangements and things like that. So neo-soul, R&B, um, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. If you had to name, like, say, three main influences that inspire you or have uh, helped evolve and change your musical style or making more aware of it, uh, what would those be? I would say um, formative years were always um, were always coupled with listening to people like Boys to Men, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey. I know you just said three, but I'm just kind of <laughs> naming what was on the radio and I wasn't on the internet, right? So it's like in the 90s. So there was no like Googling anything. So it was just what's on much music, what's on TV and what um, CDs I had access to. So boy, it's funny enough, Boys to Men and their harmonies was really something that I gravitated to as a young child. Uh, performers and musicians like Stevie Wonder, that's a very big influence and inspiration for me. Writers such as Amy Winehouse and producers and uh, projects like Aaliyah and Timberland, uh, Timberland. So those types of sounds, those are like the people that really kind of formed the taste that I kind of gravitate to. I would say. Mm-hmm. And what would you say are the challenges that sort of arise with working with a lot of different collaborators, and maybe even the benefits of that? Like I understand that you, Super Duty Tough Work, is a, a large group of people. Like how does that, how does that change how you work as a musician? Challenges working with different collaborators are that um, you have to be really certain of your own musicianship and um, in the experience of the collaboration, making sure that your idea uh, makes it in the final product. Because um, um, I think this city is really good in terms of respect amongst musicians where there's a really collaborative style. There's so many jam nights that have been and, and that was kind of what made it easy for me to feel okay with sharing my ideas because I used to really keep them in or um, not share them with other musicians at all just because I wanted them to stay um, untouched. I wanted them to just be mine. Um, and now I'm in very intentional with who I work with. Um, and I try to keep it, um, the challenge is to make sure that the music is always um, what you're focusing on and not the collaboration, not, oh, this person's hot right now, this person's very talented. It's this song needs a fiddle, so I need to find a fiddle player. Or this one, um, I write a bunch of music and sometimes it's not best translated by me. So maybe this song is not for me, this song is for someone else. And that's what kind of um, working at Studio 393 has allowed me to do is make music and not have to hoard it all and just like be able to get it out there with super duty the experience um because it's such a large group is uh you have to be very prepared and the (laughs) challenge is like learning a lot of material um in a very 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 short amount of time and um prior to being in these projects working as a session musician and collaborating is just that preparation and being um yeah just always keeping and making sure your idea doesn't get lost in the creative process um, with meeting new people, that's a big challenge. The benefit is that um, you get to learn other people's processes. You get to connect with amazing people because the musicians here are so talented. Um, so I would say, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming in. Um, Thanks for having me. 
Is there any sort of things that you would like to plug really quick? I understand that you have a music video and you'll have a couple screenings of that later on in the coming year. I recently premiered a music video and uh, it was co-presented with Big Fun Festival and Synonym Art Consultation. Um, myself and Victor Ilunga co-directed it and he filmed it in my studio just downtown. We did it in the process of like four weeks. We'd never shot a video before. Um, and that's going to be debuting online on March 1st and screening um, tentatively at a couple places, but I can't say where yet today. Um, and uh, I will be performing at Festival de Voyager on February 17th. That's Sunday at 8 p.m. That's with Super Duty Tough Work. Um, I'm also backing Sebastian Gaskin for his set, so we'll be playing keyboard, and he's a great performer as well, beautiful writer and musician. And um, tonight I'll be playing at the Goodwill uh, for um, an opening set, so we're really excited about that. It's a busy month. Mm -hmm. You'll be performing with Shad. I will be or, opening for Shad. Yeah. yeah, I'm really excited. He is uh, just came out with a really, really great record. I, I really encourage everyone to check it out. He is... Um, working with the different beat makers and has a lot of the neo soul and R&B kind of harmonies that he's putting into his arrangements now. So it's really worth checking out. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming in once again. Uh, we appreciate you coming in to, to talk to us and uh, good luck in the future. Thanks for picking my brain. listening and watching the music video. Yeah, we'll see you at the next show. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to go on for our second break. Uh, keep listening. Midday Memo. You're listening to the Midday Memo on RRC Anthem. We're that little shot of espresso in your day that keeps you going. Special Olympics Manitoba believes you have what it takes to bear the icy waters. Take part in Manitoba Law Enforcement Torch Run Polar Plunge in support of Special Olympics Manitoba. Special Olympics is dedicated to enriching the lives of individuals with intellectual disabilities through active participation in sports. The Polar Plunge event is happening all over Manitoba. Collect your pledges so you can be freezing for a reason. For more information, visit plungemanitoba.com. Winnipeg Harvest shares food with nearly 64,000 Manitobans every month. You can help feed hungry families by donating food, time, or money. Donate non-perishables or organize a food drive at your work, school, or in your community. Donate your time by volunteering at Winnipeg Harvest or donate money online, on the phone, or in person. Join us in fighting hunger and feeding hope in your community. There is always going to be someone who needs the services at Health Sciences Center. Your coworker. Your friend. Your sibling. Your parent. Your child. It could be you. When you join HSC Foundation's Bannatine Legacy Circle to endow or leave behind a final gift, your help will continue to support this cause forever. No matter where you're coming from, no matter what the situation, Health Sciences Center is here to help you. HSC is the hospital for all Manitobans. Thanks to the help of generous donations to the HSC Foundation, we can give every person the care they need to get back home to the ones they love. Go online to hscfoundation.mb.ca to donate today. Thank you. Welcome back to the Midday Memo. 
We're here to get you through that long Friday afternoon by telling you what you need to know. Awesome. We are back from the break. This is Midday Memo. I have Kelsey Marcotte with me to talk about uh, her interview with Elder Harry Bone at the Millennium Library. You can talk to me about that for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so I went to go see Elder Bone talk at the Millennium Library on Tuesday, and he's doing. he was doing um, a talk which is a part of a series uh, put on um, called the Let's Talk Treaties series. So every Tuesday at different elders... I'm going to talk about a different topic. So his topic was uh, spirit and intent of the treaties in Manitoba. So yeah, take a listen. A cozy auditorium at the Millennium Library filled with people waiting for Elder Harry Bone to come on stage and speak. Elder Bone was introduced and he walked on stage. He was stoic. The event was called Spirit and Intent of the Treaties and was part of a series put on by the Winnipeg Public Library and the Treaty Relations Commission of Manitoba. Each Tuesday, an elder comes to speak about a different topic relating to treaties in Manitoba. It's important to understand that so that we can go beyond just a written version of treaty because a treaty means a lot more than you know the written version, what you know, the, the government has written about our treaties. Uh, the intent is important. The spirit of the treaties is also important. Uh, his speech was powerful and informative, and he spoke about his personal stories just as much as he talked about the facts. The thing to remember about treaty time 150 years ago was you know, the First Nations still had you know, the power and strength you not know, to be people we considered as nations. The government of the day did not have the military might nor the money to pay us off, so the treaty was a peaceful arrangement. The guests that were watching him speak seemed to be impressed as well, laughing at his jokes, nodding heads when they agreed with him, silently bowing their heads when he mentioned the hard times. One of the attendees even said his speech was poetic. I think it's important for everyone to come to things like this and hear people like him, especially in Manitoba. It was great to see such a big turnout and a really great, diverse-looking group. The next speaker in the Let's Talk Treaty series is Elder Peter Atkinson, who will be speaking about pipe ceremony teachings this Tuesday, February 19th at noon in the Carol Shields Auditorium in the Millennium Library. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, talking to Harry Bone, he is a renowned speaker and fighter for Indigenous rights. What was it like uh, talking to him? Did you get to talk to him afterwards at all? Or? A little bit, yeah. There was actually a really long line uh, of people that wanted to talk to him after he was finished speaking. Um, and everyone just kind of was saying, like, thank you. They were just thanking him for sharing the things he was sharing and for enlightening people the way that he did. Um, and yeah, he, it was really interesting listening to him talk and speaking to him one-on-one -on -one was very similar to how he speaks to the crowd. So that was really cool. Mm -hmm. And do you know who would be speaking for the next, uh, let's talk treaty? Yeah. So it's elder Peter Atkinson, I believe talking about pipe ceremonies. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, next we have Cheyenne with news. You're listening to news on the Midday Memo. This is Cheyenne Breer with your Midday Memo news updates. Manitoba is taking a hard look at youth justice and its connection to child welfare in the province. Justice Minister Cliff Cullen says the province has the highest rate of youth in custody in the country, four times the national average and up to 90% of them are Indigenous. Cullen says the province isn't meeting the needs of young people or society and there needs to be a new approach. He says a review will look into how at-risk youth are being served and a report is expected 
expected to be released later this year. A recent review of admissions at the Manitoba Youth Centre showed about 60% of youth charged were also involved with child welfare services. About 90% of kids in care are Indigenous. An Ontario man suspected of killing his 11-year-old daughter while the two were supposed to be celebrating the girl's birthday will soon be facing charges in her death. Rhea Rakshumer was found dead in her 41-year-old father's home in Brampton, just west of Toronto, late last night after her mother called police fearing for her daughter's safety. Neighbours are leaving flowers outside the home and the school Rhea went to nearby Mississauga is making supports available to students. Global Affairs has issued an upgraded advisory for Haiti and is now saying Canadians should avoid all travel there due to ongoing civil unrest. The notice advises Canadians to consider leaving by commercial means while they are available. But more than 100 Canadians haven't been able to get to the airport in Port-au-Prince because protesters are blocking major highways to try to pressure President Yovel Moyes to resign. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says the government is trying to help them. We're also obviously preoccupied with the number of Canadians who are in Haiti right now who are looking uh, to uh, come home to Canada in this uh, crisis situation. We are working with them. Uh, Global Affairs Canada and all our diplomatic corps is very much engaged in this. The Canadians still in Haiti include a team of 26 aid workers with a missionary group from Quebec and more than 100 other Quebecers stuck in a hotel. Your forecast for the midday memo. Current weather conditions are it's cloudy and minus 22, but it feels closer to minus 30. And for the midday memo, I'm Cheyenne Briere. Awesome. Thank you, Cheyenne. Jonathan, you have a little rant for us on Valentine's Day? Yes, I do. The Rumble, the place where we throw down opinions and smack down the facts. Let's get ready to rumble! Are you ready? Ah, uh, yes. So yesterday, it was Valentine's Day. You know what the single most important day of the year is for a couple? It's today. It's the day after Valentine's Day. Today is the day where you realize that you're back into your normal, boring relationship. Yesterday, it was amazing. You were shrouded in gifts and affection, and your face was posted on your lover's Instagram and Facebook. But today, it's right back to your normal, boring, cookie-cutter relationship. Now, you might be wondering, why, Jonathan? Why are you so anti-Valentine's Day? Well, it's a mixture. It comes from just personal indifference to the holiday and the disdain for the consumerism that surrounds it, but it also comes from personal experience. So let me take you back back to Valentine's, Valentine's Day 2015. I was so young and naive to the evils of the holiday at this point. I decided to plan a romantic evening that starts with a nice dinner. So I did my research and landed on a nice restaurant. I had never been to this place before and I heard it was great. So we pull up and I'm pumped. Food looks great, atmosphere is lovely, all is good. And we get the menus and I'm shocked to see that the most menu items are 15 to 20 bucks. I was thinking, wow, the value of this place. So waiter comes and takes our order. We both order a dish and then the waiter says it's tapas style. My heart sinks. $200 later, the meal is done. Two months later, the relationship is done. But I'm so glad I spent 200 bucks on this meal for this girl that doesn't impact my life anymore. Now, you're probably just saying, Jonathan, you're being a dramatic crybaby. And you're right. I'm certainly jaded. But I'm going to break down a few reasons why this holiday sucks. Number one, the gifts. So the three go-to stereotypical Valentine's Day gifts are flowers, chocolate, and stuffed animals or teddy bears, right? So let's start with flowers. I will never understand flowers as a gift. Like, I get that they look nice, smell good, whatever. But, like, here's this extra thing that I have to take responsibility for. I have so much in my life that I have to be responsible for. And now here's a damn plant that I have to look after? Yeah, I'll pass. 
Second, there's chocolate. Okay, chocolate tastes great, but I will never get why it has to be the food that you get at Valentine's Day. The prices get jacked up so high, and then the next day they're back to normal. Chocolate as a gift, overrated. Finally, stuffed animals and teddy bears? Come on, what are you, four years old? Grow up. So, the gifts suck. The second reason why Valentine's Day sucks is social media. On Facebook, you see all your memories of past Valentine's Day where you were actually happy and not so alone. Like, thanks Facebook, so much for reminding me of these times. Instagram is the worst though. Okay, so literally everyone's Insta feeds are split into two categories on Valentine's Day. Number one, you have all the couples. These posts are always, here's me and Boo at the Rockies, and here's me and Bay in Vegas. These posts are basically just shout outs because you don't care any other day of the year. I also always love when one person in the relationship literally does the lowest common denominator average thing on Valentine's Day, like decorate a room with balloons, and the reaction is always so dramatic. So a couple's posts are always the worst, but then there's the other kind of posts you'll get on your feed that are the empowered single people, which is actually even worse than the couple's posts. These people are trying to overcompensate that they have nobody, so they pretend that, oh, I don't need anybody to make me feel empowered, I have myself. Like, come on everyone, you're awesome and you don't need anyone but yourself. And all the comments are always people just lying to themselves and agreeing. So I'm sitting here scrolling through my Instagram feed being like, well, I don't like couple's posts because I'm not, or because I'm single, and I don't like the single posts because I don't love myself. So I'm basically batting over two over here. I'll just leave the rant here. I can go on for hours about this. Absolutely nobody is happy on Valentine's Day. It's the only quote unquote happy holiday that isn't actually happy. You're either in a relationship and you're worried about gifts and budget and trying to do something special, or you're single, alone, and angry at the world. I guess at this point, you guys see what category I'm in. I hope this rant opens some of your eyes to the atrocity that is Valentine's Day, and I hope none of you take it seriously ever again. Thank you. <laughs> Riveting rant, Jonathan. Yes. I have one question. Yes. What did you do yesterday? For Valentine's oh, Day. Oh, you know what? I had an excellent day. Yeah. Yeah. I had class. Oh, no. I didn't even have class. Class was canceled. So you know what I did? I slept in. I did some homework. I went, you know, the Jets game wasn't a great game, but it was pretty good. Went to uh, play blackjack after at uh, Shark Club. It was good. And then I went to sleep. And that was it. Didn't have to worry about anything else or anybody else. That sounds like a dream come true. It was. <laughs> awesome. We will go to break. You've been listening to the Midday Memo. We'll be right back to the Midday Memo on RRC Anthem. Stay with us to get through that Friday afternoon lull. It looks like a French boutique. How cute. I know, right? I can't wait to try their salted caramel macaroons. Wait, isn't it pr pronounced macaron? What's the difference? I don't think it's a huge deal. It is. They mean two different things. One is coconut and the other is cookie sandwiches. Hi, may I take your order? Macaroons! macaroons. Whether you want coconut or icing, Generay Cakes will have the sweets you crave. Visit our locations at 580 Academy Road and the Forks. Woo! Dad? Yes! I am the master! But, uh, sorry son. I'll let you in next time. That's what you said last time. Laser tag's so intense, you'll forget you're there with your kid. Book your next mission at Lasertopia today. Are you going to answer that? No, no, I'm almost done. Jerry, did you say, be right back, I'm just getting a comic book, and leave your wife in the car again? It hasn't been that long, has it? It's been an hour! Hi, honey, I, I just If got... I knew you were going to hang out here, I would have just come inside. Hey, look at these collectible figurines! What do you say we buy this thin jacket? Don't push your luck, Jerry. You were just supposed to buy a comic. People can lose track of time here. At Pop and I Collectibles, we don't just offer the most exclusive collectible items of fandom. We also offer Home Away From Home, 377 Henderson Highway. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough! He told me you killed him! No. 
I am your father. Dad, I can't take you seriously when your lightsaber is a pool noodle. Uh, I'm sorry, but this was all I could find. Well then, how about we fix that? Mom, where'd you get that lightsaber? Oh, it looks so real! At Pop and Ice Collectibles on Henderson. They've got vintage toys, collectible figures, comics, and high-end costume props like this one. So, wanna go? Heck yeah, let's go to Pop and Ice! I've got a good feeling about this. Welcome back to the Midday Memo. It's almost time for the weekend, and we're here to send you off on a positive note by giving you the information that you need. Hello again. We have Christina Burridge in the studio. She's going to talk. She has a tape and talk for us on a key member of Trudeau's cabinet quitting. You're listening to TNT with the Midday Memo. We give you the news to get you up to speed on the topics you care about. Listen now, you're about to explode. Well, folks who are puzzled uh, by Ms. Raybold's, uh, Wilson Raybould's uh, decision to step down, um, they can add me to the list. I am both surprised and disappointed. This was the reaction Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had when Jody Wilson Raybould handed in her resignation letter on Tuesday, February 12th, 2019. This was days after a Globe and Mail report claimed she was being pressured by the PMO to help engineering firm SNC-Lavalin avoid criminal prosecution on bribery and fraud charges in relation to contracts in Libya. The company is before a court in Montreal in connection with payments of nearly $48 million to public officials in Libya. In her resignation letter, she wrote, I am aware that many Canadians wish for me to speak on matters that have been in the media over the last week. I am in the process of obtaining advice on the topics that I am legally permitted to discuss. Wilson Raybould had refused to speak publicly on the subject about the, on the subject about the uh, NC SNC Lavalin case, saying that her time as Justice Minister forbids her from commenting, though she had released a statement just the other day. An unprecedented move for a former federal justice minister, Wilson Raybould has retained the services of a lawyer, Thomas Cromwell. He will help her navigate the intricacies of cabinet confidence and attorney-client privilege, the reasons she had invoked to justify her silence. Just yesterday, the prime minister tried to downplay the issue, saying Wilson Raybould was still in cabinet, meaning all was good. Due to the incident, Liberal members of the Commons Justice Committee have agreed to investigate the SNC-Lavalin case. Conservative and MDP members have demanded that Trudeau's most senior advisor, Gerald Butts, and Wilson-Raybould be added to the committee's witness list. The Liberals voted against the notion. Speaking in Sudbury, Ontario this Wednesday, Trudeau repeated his statement that the government had done nothing wrong and Wilson-Raybould was not being pressured. If anyone, particularly the Attorney General, felt that we were not doing our job fully responsibly and according to all the rules as a government, it was her responsibility to come forward to me this past fall and highlight that directly to me. She did not. The public has this to say on the matter. Ms. Wilson-Raybould's resignation makes it crystal clear that Justin Trudeau is trying to hide the truth with regards to the SNC-Lavalin affair. The Canadians want to know the truth, so we need to preserve all information. A full-fledged Liberal squabble being played out in public. 
One criminal defense lawyer, Ottawa criminal lawyer Michael Spratt, was questioning Wilson Raywold's privilege argument last Friday, saying, The easiest way out of this is just for the Prime Minister to say, Look, Jody, there's some serious questions here, and just tell the truth about our conversations and waive the privilege. Currently, Justin Trudeau is seeking his own legal advice on whether or not he can waive Wilson Raybould's solicitor-client privilege to be able to speak. More news on this topic will be coming in the upcoming weeks. Awesome. Thank you for that, Christina. Do you have any sort of uh, idea? Like, how long do you think this back and forth is going to go for? Um, I feel like it's going to go on for a very long time, Uh, like reading some of the articles, because uh, both, as I I said, both... um, People are in talks with lawyers right now, and there's like a lot of like there's a lot of legalities regarding this, like whether or not she can talk, and like people are saying that she was being like held to not talk when she's claiming that it's uh, cl- like client privilege and everything. I think this is going to go on for quite a while until uh, either she speaks or Justin Trudeau tells the truth. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you once again, Christina. Thank you very much, Aiden. Right up next, we have Sydney, who's going to talk about the Oscars. Sydney, take it away. Well, it's that time of year again. It's Oscars season, baby. The big event is less than 10 days away, and it seems the classic preparations have already begun. People are filling out their Oscar-winning prediction sheets and bracing themselves for the inevitable loss of money. Chips and dips are being purchased. Gold napkins decorate coffee tables, and popcorn is popped to get ready for the show. It's kind of the biggest event of the year. And the Academy has finally released the nominations. Here's what we've got in the Best Picture category. Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Amidst these nominations, we have a superhero movie, political dramas, a musical remake, a 1700 story, a biopic, and a couple other societal dramas. So, who is predicted to win? National Geographic compiled statistics that explored nominations for Best Actor and Actress since 1966. They found that there were only two years out of the past 50 when all the nominees in the category played fictional characters. So this means that every year, actors were nominated for playing a character from real life. And in recent years, these actors usually end up coming out victorious. This trend also appears to be repeating itself in the Best Picture category, and they're known as biopics. Biopics are becoming far more popular and likely to win at the Oscars. This year, we have Bohemian Rhapsody, a biopic on the band Queen with a specific focus on Freddie Mercury, played by lead actor Rami Malek. Malek has also been nominated for actor in a leading role. Belen Vidal, co-editor of the biopic in contemporary film culture, says that directors are looking to reduce risk when producing films in Hollywood studios. They said, quote, That means that something like a biopic of a famous personality, especially if there's a pre-existing book or new story, is seen as more of a safe investment. If the audience already knows the performer and the historical character, the studio feels more certain that there's an audience for it. So, biopics seem to be a safe bet, and let's be real, I doubt there's anyone who hasn't heard of Queen. Top that off with stellar music, a brilliant performance, and the fan base, it seems Bohemian Rhapsody has got it in the bag. But maybe not. A 2018 New York, New York Times article says that in the past 30 years, only four movies named Best Picture also topped the box office charts. This means it's not always the most popular film that wins that little golden man. This coincidence might lend itself well to Roma in this year's nominations. 
So we've got biopics, we've got underdogs, and we've also got Black Panther, a superhero movie that has quickly become a trailblazer in the best picture category. The YouTube quote-unquote nerd community has been all over it. Black Panther is the first superhero film ever to be nominated in the best picture category. It's the MCU film that keeps on giving when it comes to making history. For starters, it featured the first black superhero protagonist, and spoke to millions and millions of fans out there regardless of whether or not they had actually followed T'Challa in the comics. In addition to that, it also made over a whopping $700 million at the box office, beating out Avengers Infinity War on several different fronts. So to see it be nominated for best picture is a pretty big deal, and goes to show that the Academy is finally giving films of all genres starring all races the credit they deserve. So there you have it. It seems we've got biopics and superhero movies going head to head this Oscar season, and both are part of popular genres that have won in previous years. Will one of them come out victorious or will the underdog win this year? Tune in on February 24th to find out. I know I will. <laughs> For the Midday Memo, I'm Sydney Small. Thank you, Sydney. First off, uh, do you have any predictions of your own about how the Oscars are going to turn out this year? Well, based on the research I've done and just previous years, I honestly think Bohemian Rhapsody has like a good shot. Um, I really liked the movie, but I also know people, it's kind of controversial. Like a lot of people don't want it to win for whatever reason, but I, th I think that one has, has a good shot. I'm not sure. Like out of the ones that I mentioned, do you have any? I'm curious, like what other people think too. Um... I haven't seen Green Book or anything like that or A Star is Born just yet, but I would personally like to see Lady Gaga win one of these. If not, um, Spike Lee is usually a yeah. winner for this sort of thing, so I could see Black Klansman winning Best Picture for sure. It's tough. There's lots of, like, all the nominations are, like, really good, at least the ones I've seen, so mm -hmm. I don't know. I would like to see Gaga win, too. I loved A Star is Born, but again... That one's pretty controversial, too, so um, we'll see. I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. know what's going to happen. And do you think the allegations for, uh, towards uh, Brian Singer, the director of Bohemian Rhapsody, um, he is a bunch of uh, publications have uh, wrote out these articles uh, alleging that uh, sexual assault just within recent years and most of his career, do you think that will affect Bohemian Rhapsody at all? Likely. I I would think so because just the way things have been going lately in the media with, you know, different TV shows like Kevin Spacey thing, it wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, you know what? That's a good point. I think it might. I think it might affect things. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you, Cindy. Um, be sure to listen to the, uh, watch the Oscars tonight. Um, I know I will be looking forward to Black Klansman and watching some of the performances. Uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga will be performing the uh, song Shallow again. She did a performance for the Grammys as well, which is very different from what you'd expect from, from Lady Gaga. She was very uh, restricted. I love Lady Gaga, though. She's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Be sure to rem watch the Oscars. Awesome. That was um, our one hour of the Midday Memo. Thank you again for listening. Have a great reading week, and remember to stay hydrated. Big thanks again to Red River College, Graham Houston, the executive producer, and everyone else on Here That Has Worked. This was the Midday Memo. That ends this week's Midday Memo. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on Anthem and RRC Anthem. 
For more content throughout the week, check out our website at radio.rrc.ca for more shows, podcast episodes, and news. See you next week.